Hi everyone, Raphael Harry here, and you're listening to White Label American, a podcast where we hear stories from an immigrant or two, sometimes more. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of White Label America. Thank you all for joining us today. And before we begin, I would like to give a shout out to Danielle, Elena, Jeff, Mark, Martha, Sarah, Verena, Brenda, and Jennifer. Thank you for being patrons, making this podcast possible, and building a community. For our first-time listeners, along with regulars who at this moment may not be able to sign up on Patreon, we understand and we still encourage you to support us by subscribing, sharing, and giving five stars and a positive review on any podcast platform where you listen to this podcast on. So, without much further ado, we introduce today's guest. He is Kevin Orozco. He is the founder and CEO of Soccer is Therapy. He is um, a New Jersey native, but has a South American background which we'll be diving into um, as we go into the uh, deeper into the episode. And there's a whole lot to this gentleman that um, this podcast um, favorites are connected to, um, including the fun factor of him being a Barcelona fan, even though most people on this podcast tend not to be Barcelona fans. <laughs> 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 I had to put that there, but no, no, we got we got love for everybody. We got love. So, without much further ado, welcome, Kevin. How you doing today, brother? Good, good. Thank you, Rafael. Thank you for having me on. Hey, it's my pleasure and uh, honor to have you here. So, um, can you describe uh, where you were born and in- introduce us to your childhood? Yeah, for sure, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I mean, thank you, thank you again for for that introduction. I think it's 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 great that you're you're using this platform to really bring about all these multicultural uh, people uh, in this in this world that you know we bring so much value to to humanity in general. Uh, and yeah, I mean, as as founder and CEO of Soccer Therapy NYC, it's um, it's a nonprofit that we're using to focus and raise awareness on mental health. Uh, we really believe that through exercise, uh, communication, and education, we can really improve the quality of life of people. So by breaking that stigma of mental health, uh, we encourage everyone to basically come together as a safe community uh, and, and normalize the conversation. Uh, and really the, the organization's mission with that is to sponsor individuals of people who can't uh, afford mental health. And, um, and, and we come in and, and we provide that, that service to people. So yeah, again, thank you so much for, for having us on. Hey, welcome again. So yeah, let's let's begin at the very beginning. Yeah. Um, where did Kevin originate from? Kevin. Kevin originated from a small town in Union City, uh, Union City, New Jersey. It's a, it's actually a sanctuary city. So uh, the, the 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 town itself is filled with uh, immigrants from all over South America and Central America, and it was it was a really unique upbringing in the sense that my elementary school and my uh, my elementary school actually was no more than like 500 kids mm. uh which obviously a lot of people in the, in this country could relate but for such a densely populated uh town like union city 
it um it was definitely it, it was definitely a, a really cool experience to basically interact with people of your own cultural background yeah while also learning about all these other latin american countries that we share the same language but there's drastic differences between every single country which is the beautiful part about it mm. you know um there's you know as a kid growing up in nigeria we, we always had like just one picture of south america you know yeah. and it was mostly you know especially thanks to football um soccer as we call it yeah. here um you know it was argentina brazil and mm -hmm. you know so we just only saw things one way without realizing that way there's a whole lot of uh, multicultural the, um, mm -hmm. the background is is so diverse that you yeah. might think oh everybody speaks spanish or portuguese yeah and like uh, no there's a whole lot more languages in there there's a whole yeah. lot more details that you know are not there that are not um public that um mm -hmm. all i'll say they're public but weren't public to us yeah and by the time we started seeing getting the information and we're like, wait, you know, there's a whole lot that, you know, we, we, we don't want that we could easily jive yeah. with these guys. Like, you know, it's yeah. like our people, we, our people, you know. And yeah. started seeing that there was so much in common that, you know, we had. Yeah. And so it, it, it's just beautiful. The more that people get to be aware of the, um, mm -hmm. others existing and the lifestyle and the cultural elements yeah. in there, it's, it, it humanizes everything. And yeah, and I think what's really interesting about that, like interacting with different cultures and understanding all of that is like as a, as a child in Union City. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so I lived there actually from from the time I was born all the way up to fifth grade uh, because um, my parents uh, decided to to move to the suburbs. So we moved to Clifton. Uh, but as a kid, for some reason, it was a lot easier to interact and speak to people of just all these different backgrounds. And I don't know if that's like, if that's a product of our own like ignorance as a child where, you know, we, we kind of just talk with everybody just because and everything. But then as you get older, these groups of, of yours basically start to narrow out. So like you have these group of friends who are just all Colombian and you have a, this group of friends that are all Puerto Rican or yeah. all Venezuelans, et cetera. Um, and that's basically like the situation I find myself in now. Uh, so it's, um, yeah, it, it, it's, it, you know, in retrospect, again, it, it puts me in, it, it kind of just like fits everything. It's just like, wow, that all makes sense. Especially when I hear uh, your experience of living in Nigeria and then like, you know, just mm -hmm. looking at all these other, uh, all these other countries and how they operate and whatnot. You know, as kids, we, we all had that naivety. You yeah. know, you know, we, we were all just sponges soaking up everything, and exactly that, that's why now I I I I describe myself as a sponge. You know, I'm I, yeah. I rather soak information, and yeah, not all information is valuable, so you don't really need all. But yeah, have the valuable ones, yeah, you, you I retain it, and yeah. as kids, that's why it was easy to just you know jump into every group jump into every you know you meet someone who are you what are you yeah. you know and you just you don't care but you just yeah. gravitate towards everybody you meet 
And because you don't like, are you only Colombian? I don't want to talk Colombian. You don't know that. You don't yeah, know. Yeah. Like, why? This kid is cool. <laughs> I don't care if he's Argentinian. This kid is cool. I don't care if he's Brazilian. Like, this kid, as far as the kid is cool, that's the first thing that matters to the kid. And yeah, the kid yeah. is running towards that person who is cool. And by the kid's definition of cool, that's it. That's all that matters. Right. And I think that's one thing that we begin to um, lose the more life hits us. The older we get, life starts to hit us. And then it's like, wait, there's boxes that's appointed exactly to each person. And then you have to move into your box. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, exactly. you, you're no longer a kid. You know, you're getting older. So now go into your box, you know? Yeah. So for, for those who aren't uh, familiar with New Jersey and uh, um, you're, part of the, uh, you're, you're part of America, um, how different was Clifton to Union um, City? Yeah, it was... It's another world. So like Union City is literally like right across the river from Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's in Hudson County and Union City is, I think it's like a, literally like a mile and a half long, not even a mile wide type of thing. And oh. it's like there's one main avenue uh, called Burning Line Avenue. And I lived right on Burning Line Avenue. And growing up there, it was basically like, Right outside my 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 doorstep, there was a pharmacy, cool. But then across the street, it's um, it was basically one of those stores that like you see in Chinatown that just has everything in it. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Like so, there like I remember like that was like my go to spot as a kid uh, for toys, like whenever I just want needed a toy quickly and like Pokemon and Yu Gi Oh cards and stuff. But then a block down, it's a Cuban restaurant where they sell churros and like. And like just everything, but then a block the other way was a panaderia from Colombia. So like it was just a, a ton of Colombians outside, and then like it was basically just a whole bunch of different shops and restaurants down that entire block, wow. or that down that entire street, all yeah. the way up to I think it was forty something street. I lived on thirty eighth, and then there come then then as you go out wider or away from Bergen line it was just all like multi-family homes mm-hmm. so you'd have two three four families living into these houses or into these apartments and so yeah i mean i lived there until i was fifth grade um and then when we moved out to clifton um so clifton is about thir- 20 minutes west of manhattan uh it's a little bit past metlife stadium uh, or, or at least when we moved out there in 2006, we were, it was still Giant Stadium, which is, which yeah. is pretty wild. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and you know, Clifton is, it's a town with, I think, almost 90,000 people. Uh, it's ginormous. It, it, it's stri- strictly suburbs. I mean, there are some areas that are very similar to Union City, where there's a lot of multifamily homes and everything, but yeah. uh, Clifton is actually one of, I think, the state's most diverse cities um, in the state of New Jersey. So, for me, it was a massive transition, um, and to an extent, I'd even say a traumatic experience, uh, mm-hmm. a, tra- a, a traumatic um, transition to go from a town where my school uh my elementary school my fifth grade class was like 20 kids Mm -hmm. and the entire school was 500 and we're all basically latinos um there were there were some uh asian americans as well uh like people from india bangladesh um a chinese or japanese 
person, you know, sprinkled in yeah. there. Uh, weirdly enough, I, again, in retrospect, not too many black kids, but nowadays it's different versus in Clifton, it was like literally everything, uh, everything from people from Arabic countries to every part of Asia, every part of South America, every part of Europe. Um, it was, it's, it's incredibly different. And for anyone who's listening, like, as, as, as you can imagine, like 13 years old is not the best age for anyone <laughs> because of puberty and just everything going on in your yeah. life. So to make this transition from being so comfortable with your friends and everything, and then moving into a world that, I mean, my middle school was 1100 kids. Wow. So, yeah. So, you know what I mean? So it, it, it was, it's, it's incredibly different. Um, and also, but at the same time, it was a blessing in disguise. I, I, I still consider it a, a blessing in disguise because I went from uh, living in a, a three-bedroom apartment on on like the second or third floor of uh, in Union City to a house where we had a backyard, a front yard. Um, I mean, that was something that my my dad had always strived to do, and it's something that he basically came to this country to do, right? To achieve that American dream, uh, come from Colombia over here. Uh, and build a build a life for himself over here, um, but yeah, I mean the move itself was traumatic. Uh, but then, like everything, and when you're a child with time, you kind of adjust, yeah. and you and you kind of figure it out. And again, I I consider it a blessing in disguise because I I grew up basically in Clifton uh, versus in Union City. Okay, so with that being said. Uh... Probably would be. I'm guessing this answer would be coming from Union City, but yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it comes from Clifton. Where do you consider your favorite childhood memory from? You know, weirdly enough, I, I it has to be Clifton. But the, the 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 interesting part about that though is that the childhood memory has nothing to do with my friends. It actually has to do with a family member. So the first summer we moved to um, to Clifton, my my grandparents actually came uh, from Colombia. And it was the first time that they ever came that, uh, you know, they presented themselves for the visa and everything. And it was all it was honestly basically a celebration. So both my mom, my my father's uh, mom and dad came okay. and my mom's gra uh, mom came. Uh, because my other grandfather, he passed away many, many years ago. Uh, but so the three of them came. Um, and I remember that was still like that transition period where like, I'm still adjusting to this life here in Clifton and like the suburbs and everything. Yeah. But my grandfather, he, uh, his name was Fabio. He, he, he passed away in, uh, in 2008. And um, I remember he, he was, he's a, he was a big smoker. Uh, he, he was the type of dude that would smoke like two, three, four packs a day. Uh, but when he came to when he came to visit us here in the U.S., because he stayed basically all summer, was um, he trimmed down a lot on the smoking because in Colombia, like a pack of cigarettes could cost like the equivalent of like two U.S. dollars. But then when he saw here that they were like nine dollars, <laughs> he was like, ah. <laughs> he's like, I'm not doing this. He's like, yeah. I'm not doing this. <laughs> so, um, so I remember every day because I used to walk back from school. I every day I would come back, and 
my grandfather was waiting for me at the end of the driveway um, with the, with both garage doors open. He had uh, the radio on and he was just on his seat, just smoking. So I, he and, he and I had a, had a really, really close relationship despite living 3000 miles away uh, from one another. Um, we shared the same birthday and everything. So oh. like that kind of just brought us together and mm-hmm. it was almost like a exactly 60 year difference between us. Wow. Um, so I remember I used to come home every day and he would be waiting for me and he basically would just, would, would, I tell him about my school day, but then at the end of the talk, he would basically just hand me this really old soccer ball that I, my father had for, I don't know how many years, but we, I, when I was a kid, like three, four years old, I have pictures of like me kicking it with my father mm-hmm. and we've got, he found the same ball in the garage and he'd give it to me and he basically tried to, to kind of teach me a couple lessons. One is patience. Um, and two is to basically just like acariciar la pelota. So basically to like care for the ball and stuff. So he, he challenged me to juggle it 20 times Wow! and every day I'd come home from school and I would do, and I would do that. Uh, he'd be waiting for me and yeah, I mean, that, that it's, uh, that has, that has to be my favorite childhood memory because I, I, again, in retrospect, um, when I look back at the memories I've created or the memories I've had, that have to do with like soccer or just like family and whatnot. That mm-hmm. is one of the lessons that's, that's a massive lesson that I learned there. Um, yeah. And, and I, and I, and I can, and I can still smell the smoke from the cigarettes to <laughs> the, you know, the, the humidity of the summer yeah. and everything. And, and oh, it was, it was also really, really cool too, because like it was, that was the summer of the, of the world cup in Germany. Oh, so yeah. there was oh. a lot, there was a, there was a lot of a uh, banter especially coming from him uh, towards uh, Argentina team, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, oh, man. like I knew I had an idea about it, but I was always like, eh, okay. Like, but then as I got older, I was just like, oh, so that's why they hate him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that was beautiful. That was beautiful, man. It's, you know, it's, uh, yeah, we, we used to have a game that we played, with um, juggling and yeah. not every time we had the uh, the luxury of having a ball because it was a luxury honestly to have a ball like the mm-hmm. good um, FIFA grade ball so yeah. um, we either had what we, the nickname for it was Felele which was mm-hmm. uh, the, 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 those were like kid balls which okay. the old, it didn't matter at what age you were if you, that was the only ball you could get you know we used that at schools and yeah. sometimes we will get up we'll tear sheets from our books and wrap f- f- and wrap and wrap till we made a big ball and then juggle that and we made it a competition mm. and i i never came close to winning i was terrible but i think that's what that also added to frustration because you know when you start juggling and you know you're losing if someone had if i had someone to like you know calm down you don't yeah. have to rush, you know. Let let this, let let someone else win, but focus mm-hmm. on your juggling. It's a skill set, but you can train yourself to get into it. But you know, it, it, because you 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 want to be popular. Right. That that's how it was for us then, because everybody's like, oh, this this guy can juggle fifty at once. So yeah, I, I, you can. I, I can juggle five. I can juggle seven. I can juggle eight. I can juggle ten. Mm-hmm. But. I'm comparing myself to the guy who can juggle fifty, of course, in one go. So I'm like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. So and 
but if you're patient, you breathe, just act like nobody is there. You just do sometimes, as there were times when nobody was around me and I would juggle up to 30 and I'm like, oh, yeah. I did it, I did it. And I look around, oh, nobody's here. Oh, snap. Yeah, no. I, I, I go to school, <laughs> I want to go, I, all right, guys, I can juggle up to 30 and I try to do it in front of everybody and I can only juggle five. I was like, ah, oh, man, get out of here, get out of here. That's so funny. So, <laughs> I forgot That's about funny. stuff like that, but it was a game that we took seriously. The only thing was we never knew about gambling at that age, so probably was good. Or else I probably yeah. would have ended up getting into gambling. <laughs> <laughs> More like Michael Jordan there. Yeah. <laughs> gambling whatnot. But, yeah, I, I forgot about that. So it was beautiful hearing that from your your grand uh, your grandfather. And um the most important thing was that he he didn't just say this is a skill that I'm teaching you. He yeah. he showed that it's a life lesson that comes with the skill set. And I think that's one thing that many people forget about um, any sports that you're playing mm -hmm. that you can apply to your to your life. You, you know, you yeah. can apply it, and if all and that's part of the fun that comes with it. If all you're doing is just having fun, but you're not, there's nothing you can gain from it. Yeah, it's not helping you in any way. Then when that frustration comes, right. you, you're just gonna you know get angry. But when you've been able to adapt to the patience, mm. when it's not, sometimes it doesn't feel like it's working for you, you're able to, you know, you're like, okay, but I'm just having fun. I'm here to right. have fun. So, okay, it doesn't matter. It didn't work. Okay. Ah, okay, well, it didn't work. But I can get it next time anyway. And yeah. you move on. So, But we don't understand how those things, at that age, you know, we're all rebels at that age. You know, it's easy, it's easy to say, ah, this old man, what are you talking about? This old man yeah. must be boring. Or, I want to go run or something, you know. Exactly. But now we can understand what those things, those little details did for us. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad. Uh, you, I'm happy that you shared that, and it's, it's beautiful. So I appreciate yeah, that, man. It's beautiful. Oh, man. So um, sticking with your, your growing up in a diverse community, you, you're in Clifton now, and, you know, so Clifton is an expansion of your um, background from your, your community in Union City. For sure. Did even though you, in a way, drifted to more of your Colombian um, group in at Clifton, did you, did you um, did your interactions with other groups, in a way, start to open up then? Because you you still interacted with other people. Yeah. So did you did you, did you like you know become uh, in a way you became aware of other groups of people that existed. And how, how did that impact you, like going forward? Yeah. So funny enough, I as I got older, actually, my group of friends became much more diverse. Uh -huh. uh, so I didn't really, I never really created that close knit community, so to speak, uh, of Colombians in Clifton. I knew a lot of people that were a part of those groups, uh, and like we interacted, but I wouldn't say that I was like you were strictly Colombian. Yeah. I wasn't adopted. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It was just like yeah. <laughs> You know, Kali, he's there, but like, you know, he didn't grow up with us, basically. Mm. So I was forced to form, for basically form my own relationships and my own friendships that, uh, it, it was, it's funny though, because like, um, one of my best friends back then was a, a Mexican and we were basically the only two uh, Latinos of a group of friends of ours who were like from Ukraine, India, Poland, uh, basically Eastern Europeans and just uh, and, and and Asians. So it was, 
we all basically it, it was a beautiful moment though like for for a number of years because like throughout middle school and throughout all of high school because we all learned from each other's cultures oh. so like we went to their family parties and stuff like that so like um for example like sweet 16s and and things of that nature uh are very yeah, what, different what, what, what was that experience like for the first one you experienced what was it like yeah the first so the first for, actually i would say probably like in eighth grade i went to a bar mitzvah mm. uh i had a number one growing up in union city i had no idea what that was <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah number two there was a mat in union city there's actually a massive jewish community but like it, we kind of like just it was kind of like a we just each lived in our own little bubbles mm. versus in Clifton, it was kind of just like everybody's integrated. Um, so that first experience there was, I was just like, wow, what's going on? Why do they have them up on a chair and everything? Like it was, <laughs> it was it absolutely insane. And like the abundance of food and like everybody was so happy and everything. I was just like, okay. This, and, the, and the music too, weirdly enough too, was like, I was like, okay, this, this kind of reggaeton type of thing, you know, like it had a bass and everything. And oh, really? it was, yeah, it was really, really cool. And so that was eighth grade. But then there was a, a period of time where there was there were no parties uh, between ninth, uh, about ninth grade and then half of 10th grade. And then everybody started turning 16. And then that's when we started going to Street 16. And it was literally like, I think in like a year, in like maybe a 12 month period, I went to at least eight Sweet 16s. And each of them, some of them were for uh, for Indians. Some of them were much more traditional. Uh, some of them were uh, kind of like somewhere in the middle between like Hispanic, but also basically white and whatnot. Um, so it was it was a really really cool experience, especially uh, Indian Sweet Sixteens. I have to say that those are probably my favorite ones because. It was a lot of people. Uh, the food was, it was cool too, because like they would serve very traditional Indian food, but then also American food. So like your chicken fingers and French oh, fries and stuff okay. like that. Yeah. I so like, like they, that. Yeah. So, so like it wasn't strictly all um, in terms of food and decorations, mm -hmm. but everybody was dressed in the culturally appropriate attire. Right. My, except for like, like perhaps myself, because I was just like in a suit and tie type of thing. Yeah. Uh, so, so was Freddie. But uh, all the females, they all had um, the traditional attires and everything. And it was really, really cool work to see like how uh, Indians celebrate their Street 16s for like the first half. And then the second half, it became like a lot more American where like they actually wore a dress and everything. <laughs> so, you know, it, 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 it was really, really cool. And they were all extremely friendly and I mean, I have great memories, honestly, in going to these Sweet 16 parties. Yeah. Um, but that was also like the first time I ever uh, tried Indian food. Um, mm. You know, so like I didn't know what curry was. And the reaction I had to curry was was unfortunately very negative. Because oh, no. I, I, you know what I mean? Like I, I had <laughs> never I had never tasted that. I was just like, is this like adobo? And they're like, no, it's curry. And I was like, oh, well, it tastes very different. Yeah, there's so, no curry in Colombian food. No, I mean not that I know of. Hmm. Uh, yeah, oh, usually, I know Caribbean food has its own curry. Caribbean food, yeah, but uh, in Colombia, no. I mean, I'm sure if you go to Colombia now, I'm I'm 
95% sure there are Indian restaurants or there are restaurants now that pop up that yeah. kind of, you know, uh, get all these different ingredients from different cultures. But for the most part, yeah, no, it's, it's, oh. it's kind of just more like traditional seasonings. Um, I just assumed it, South American food has uh, curry, but maybe, well, I guess since I grew up in the curry cooking, we, we have our own curry. So yeah. it's, it's a little bit different from the Indian curry, but yeah. Mm -hmm. So I just assumed, yeah, I was like, yeah, like South America, they, they, they are our cousins. So yeah, yeah, yeah. curry too. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, again, not, not that I know, but if there is, uh, I will, as soon as I find out, I'll let you know. All right. I appreciate that. <laughs> Uh, okay, so before we continue, we shall take a quick break and be right back. Hi everyone, your host Raphael Harry here. I can't believe we have gone past our one year anniversary of doing White Label American. I've had the privilege of speaking with some amazing people, sharing their modern day immigrant stories. And you've allowed this Nigerian immigrant to share parts of his immigrant journey through this podcast. Also, one of my goals of this podcast is breaking down artificial walls that keep people from getting to understand each other. Based on your wonderful feedback over the last year, I think we have done a decent job in breaking down some of those walls. We would like to continue and expand on this mission, but we need your help. I've had an amazing time creating and producing episodes for this show largely on my own. We have a lot of ideas for new and exciting content to expand upon the mission, but we need direct support from you, our listener, which is why we have created a White Label American Patreon page where you can make a one-time donation or become a sustaining contributor where you can get access to exclusive content help me interview upcoming guests by submitting questions and even have the chance to sit down with me for a one-on-one -on -one conversation either virtually or in studio so if this podcast means something to you and if you really love this show, think about becoming a sustaining contributor and donating by going to patreon.com slash white label American POD. Thanks for listening and for the privilege of your company. Okay, so we are back. And uh, so the... the your experience with Sweet Sixteen and uh, the other communities—it's—it's—it's it's, it's beautiful for me to hear all these because these are part of um, the culture that I, I was only watching on TV. You know, yeah. Sweet Sixteen was a big show on uh, MTV, and we, we used to watch that all the time. I'm like, wow, people turn sixteen and they have parties for yeah. their kids. You know, like, wow, what did? That's nice, I guess. Like, I, I, turned, I turned 16. Nobody, nobody, anybody go to a party for me? I'm like, man, get out of here. Yeah. You, 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 you're almost an adult. Go, 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 go hustle. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, man, that would be nice if I could have um, some nice party like this. 
You know, but, you know, MTV kind of glorified it, you know, pumped it up to the next level because you're seeing almost everybody got a car, got a house, and we're like, wait, what? This is this what they're doing for the 16-year-olds? <laughs> like, so, but you, you got to miss out on, the, the you you experience the real real six, uh, Street 16 parties because yeah. it's, yeah, it's not it's not about having the uh, extravagant gifts, it's, but it's about, mm-hmm. you know, the, the meeting the people and experiencing the cultures. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah, you know, we weren't getting that message from what we were watching because we were just like, wow, there's so much money being spent. Goodness, look at yeah, all yeah. this. What? You, you like, okay, so uh, I, I'm not asking for a car, but um, um, can I get a, a video game? You almost throw you out of the house, like, get, get this kid yeah. out. You're you not know, a kid, you're a man, get him out. Look, you got mustache. <laughs> you go, go, go stop working or something. Yeah. <laughs> Don't we ask him, uh, Sweet 16, what is Sweet, sweet 16? You're a man, what does a man want with Sweet? <laughs> That's good. That's good. Like, uh, maybe the girls, we might uh, consider the girls for a little bit. But you know, I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> uh, so I was going to ask this question much later, but I think I'll just dive into it since we've um, touched on food already. Um, if I want good Colombian food, it's going to be a two-part question. So okay. for good Colombian food, in your part of New Jersey, will you send me to Union City or will you send me to Clif- uh, Clifton? No, I definitely send it to Union City. Yeah, okay, for sure. Yeah, yeah. There, I mean, so it, what's interesting is that I grew in Union City. I grew up eating this from this place called uh, Pojos Mario. Mm. Pojos Mario is a it's kind of like a restaurant chain, but it's not. So the reason why I say it's a restaurant chain is because they have another location in Queens. On that, that, was, that was going to be the second part yeah. of the question. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then they also have another Pojos Mario. Uh, I don't know if it's still there, but they had one in Miami mm, okay. uh, or like or, or, or South Florida in general. So I grew up eating Pojos Mario and the place is still there. It's it's phenomenal in the sense that everybody who works there is basically, basically, you know, obviously Colombian and everything. Um, they they recently had to remodel because unfortunately their their establishment caught fire a couple of years ago. But now it's it's very different to when I was a kid. Like they had like the, the setup of it and everything was a lot more traditional versus now it's very modern with like neon lights and stuff like that. So oh okay, I, I get what you know what I mean. Yeah, uh, but. The one place that, for the most part, has also grown a massive influence is this new—I call them an empire. Uh, it's uh, Noches de Colombia. Uh, mm, Noches de Colombia. They have a lot of locations uh, oh, now. Wow. It's it's pr- like they've grown exponentially over the last decade, and I don't know the owners. I don't, uh, but the first one I remember when the first one opened up, it basically like captured everybody's heart where like some the weights were like always an hour plus in Union oh, City. Wow. And now they have like four like three or four locations in Union City alone. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's it's, it's out of control. Uh there's one over here in Jersey City that's on a street actually where it's like a block or two away from where my father lived when he first came to this country because yeah, we're like we, I live in Jersey City now, so it's kind of like uh, it's like a full circle moment type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but that's the one I've been going to the most since I've been living here. Uh, so I guess to answer your question, I'd, I'd send it to Union City, but specifically Noche de Colombia to just get good value and a lot of food, which is kind of like the way to go. Mm. So yeah. now that you said Union City, between Union City and Astoria, Queens, who mm. has the best Colombian food in your opinion? So I'm going to be biased and say Union City. Okay. Uh, hey, that's, 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 we all got our biases. Yeah. <laughs> that's fair, and, though. And, but, and the reason why is because I would go to Queens when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. I, 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 haven't, I don't remember the last time I went as an adult to go eat. Um, not only because it, it's, it's a stretch, but yep. it's kind of like, I mean, I could also just get the same food 15 minutes from here as opposed to paying the toll and mm. dealing with traffic and everything. So... I'm open to suggestions, of course, uh, for me to go check out and everything. But I'd, I'd still say that like Union City is still like the main hub uh, for for, uh, for for traditional Colombian food and like to interact with traditional Colombian people and everything. Yeah. Um, I think Astoria, to an extent, um, like every like every neighborhood, is slowly being gentrified, and it starts to attract a different type of person and mm -hmm. they're expecting a certain experience and everything. Uh, but Union City hasn't really changed in, in that regard. They've been gentrified in the sense of like, yeah, sure, opening up, like knocking down some multifamily homes and, and, and building up condos. But the people who live there and the people who work there and everything are still the same type of people, basically, from 20, 30, 40 years ago. Okay. Yeah. So I, I never... Because uh, I, I never really played in Astoria uh, since yeah. I moved to New York, and it was uh, when when did um, when did USA host the uh, Copa Americas? The last Copa America that USA hosted. 2016. Yeah. So I've had some friends who lived up there in Astoria, mm -hmm. and I had to go to the beer garden on uh, was it 36th Street or what? No, I forgot. Oh, I know what you're talking about. I've, I've been that, there. That yeah. big beer garden. Yep. So, uh, uh, no, the, um, yeah, is it like the wee walk that was by the beer garden? But from there, the the, the balcony you could overlook into the beer garden. So yep. I've, I've got who organized it, but it was some. I've got him, but it was one of these soccer um, companies that organized um, the meetup. Mm -hmm. But I think they gave the Real Madrid Peña some some tickets, and I, I scored one right. of the tickets. So. Um, my my friends also came, so well, I've, I've been there like once or twice, mm. but I never realized how Colombian that area could be. Yeah. So that day, um, United States was playing Argentina for the uh, mm -hmm. one of the semifinals, and then Colombia was playing the second semifinal against Chile. Mm -hmm. So United States game was first. I had uh, my uh, my I had this weird hat. I don't even know how I got that hat, but it had the red, white, blue. So I got out of the train. Uh, so I got out of the train and I got onto the street. Everywhere was yellow. Everybody was yep. wearing yellow, 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 yellow. I look right, look left. Man, I got. Man, I take off my red, white, blue hat. Like, man, I, yep. I'm, I'm Colombian right now, man. Yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I changed teams right there. Yeah. <laughs> like, nope. <laughs> uh, I love USA and all that, but um, 
hey man, the wedding room, you gotta be like the Romans. Nope. Because yeah, uh, I was like, wait, what, what's going on here? So I texted one of my buddies. He's actually from, uh, he, 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 he was in Queens and then moved somewhere in New Jersey. And he's yeah, like, yeah. Uh, you you in Colombian City, man. Oh, didn't you know that? I was like, oh, uh, oh, okay, well, uh, yeah. Uh, That's I, cool. think, I think my shirt has yellow. <laughs> I hope they, they recognize yeah, that. Yeah. I have yellow on my shirt. I, I don't have Argentina colors uh, yeah. or Chile colors. Let me not think I'm, I'm Chilean. So, yeah, let me just get to the venue, then I'll put on my hat again. <laughs> but everywhere was yellow. There was so, That's a good yellow. idea. It was, I was like, wow, there were so many yellow jerseys. I was like, whoa. I yeah. did not expect to see that, and yeah, it was that was a big shock to me that day. I don't know. Yeah, like wow. No, I, I I'd say especially the last uh, since 2014, um, there's been this obviously massive wave of of Colombian fans. Um, like this is for the last couple of years, it's 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 been the moment for for Colombia uh, where we've had like the, our best squads. Uh, and out of nowhere, or not out of nowhere, but like there's just energy that's been injected mm -hmm. into Colombians and Colombian fans that is very, very influential. And it's like it literally is like an infection where like everybody just wants to feed off that same energy. <laughs> and there's really nothing like watching a World Cup game or a Copa America game with Colombian fans. Well, that opinion. that's something I have to do. That'll be yeah. the next thing I have yeah. to do. Like, you know. Well, next World Cup, which uh, by then, just uh, we, we should have a good hold on the pandemic. Yeah, I think that would be the next phase of the podcast where I will make sure yeah. I, I sit down with each country's fans. And I, I know the country yeah. that will be the most boring. I know the one. I'm not going to say it right now. They know that I'm, I've never supported them in the World Cup, but I troll them the most. <laughs> I troll them. It don't matter. Argentina is my least. Is from South America, Argentina is the country that gets the least support from me. But when they play in this country, Argentina gets my support. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it. Yeah, it's a European country, by the way. So that's okay. the, the clue I give. They, they, know, they, they know themselves. So <laughs> you, made, you made it clear to them. Yeah. I, I, I love trolling them. I love trolling them. But I have very good friends and family from there, funny enough. Those who don't know right. think that I, I try to hate them. like, no, I don't hate the people. But... I can't support your country at the World Cup. No, no, no. Yeah. Well, Colombia, man, since uh, um, the first time I ever jumped on the Colombian uh, bandwagon mm -hmm. was uh, prior to USA 94 when Colombia mm -hmm. beat Argentina 5 0 in qualifying yep. for 94 World Cup. And man, they showed that game. Uh, I was living in Benin City then. They showed that game. Uh, Probably more than ten times on our state TV, yeah. they showed that game over and over. Like what? Argentina had Maradona. It's like because Maradona's on the field, nobody should beat Argentina. That was just the mindset. You can't beat Argentina. Canija is there. Yeah. You can't beat them. Like, but Colombia whooped them five. What? Yeah. Show the game. Show it. It's like show the game. Oh, well, show it again. You're like in the afternoon. You see it. Nighttime. You see it. So it's like, okay, well, if you don't want to see Nigeria, well, guess what? It's Colombia. You're going to see Colombia yeah, again. Yeah. And and everybody loved Valderrama. We just, you know, if we, we couldn't do the hair, but you just love him. You Even love him we, yeah. we couldn't hear what he was saying because they didn't have the budget for translators. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we just watched that. And then uh, Higita, we loved him from um, 
in Italia 90 actually was when Colombia started uh, having fans, but it was more of um, people were people were laughing at Colombia because against Cameroon, which all of us being Africans, we, we, whichever African country is doing well, the whole of Africa just supports that country. Because then we used to only have one um, one spot at the World Cup, so we had no choice but to back whoever was at the World Cup. And right. um, when he guitar tried to dribble Roger Miller and he gets the ball from him and scores it. It became like, you see, you don't try to show off against Africans. You're disrespecting Africans. So you can dribble us. You know, <laughs> your, your uncle will be there talking, look at these people. They want to dribble an African. You don't know about Africa. What do you know? Get the ball from you. I'm like, yeah, yeah we'll be kids. Look, mm -hmm. all right. All right. <laughs> yeah, that's, no, that's the message we got. <laughs> no, and I can, I can, I, I mean, so I, I was born in 93, so I didn't really see uh, El Pio play or uh, Egita or anything like that. But yeah. thanks to YouTube, honestly, was how I found out. And I saw what Egita would do on the field. And I was like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, that, he, he, was, he, was, he, was, <laughs> he was. He was out of this world. Like, you know, yeah. it was it, with time, it, it was just admiration that we are. Yeah. We, we were talking trash at him, but we, we admired the guy. We just. We, yeah. we, 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 we're dumbfounded. Like, this is a goalkeeper. This guy would dribble up to the midfield, dribble into your half. Like, wow, we got outfield players who can't dribble like that. I wish I could dribble like that. So all we had to do was yeah. just talk trash. <laughs> we turned it into yeah. talking trash. And we loved it. His, his hair, he had the soul glow hairstyle from... Yeah. <laughs> and back then, goalkeeper jerseys were also very oh, colorful. Man. So, oh, like, it man. Just, it goalkeeper just jerseys. Oh, man. That's right. <laughs> it was, it was good times. Oh, man. Good times. So... Yeah, so Colombia always had a, has a special place in my heart. You know, I always knew that they were fantastic, skillful players. Uh, Asprila was another guy who, yep, Asprilla, yep. you know, probably, I guess that was a sign that I was going to get bald because I was already in, in love with a bald striker. <laughs> I never knew them because I, I had an afro back then. But I was like, That's this guy could score, like uh, when he scored a hat trick in the Champions League while playing for Newcastle. I was like, yeah, wow, yeah. yeah, this guy, he Colombian. That's why he's good. I don't mm -hmm. like Newcastle, but I like the Colombian guy there. I like him. That's so fair. if you give me the Newcastle shirt, give me the shirt Asprilla wore. That was my mentality then. I, I don't I, care about that team. <laughs> I, have, I have a quick question actually yeah. regarding that. So would you feel the same way about Everton right now? Knowing that oh, you had, my I mean, boy is there. James? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. James okay. <laughs> signed up for Everton. I mean, James was the person I learned how to pronounce that name thanks to yeah. him. Because when he came, <laughs> when I had to walk up. <laughs> you know, it, it, it was because um, I followed James from Porto to Monaco, right. and when Real Madrid uh, after the World Cup, when um, Real Madrid came for him, and I was there were people who were like, oh, why, why are you buying this guy? Who oh, he only, he only he, he's never played for a big league. I was like, you ever seen this guy play football before? Colombian boy, yeah. this guy's good. I seen him in yeah. Porto. I seen him at Monaco. Man, that, that, my, my question: Pay my money. Pay more money for yeah. this guy. <laughs> He's he can dance too. Pay yeah, all the yeah, money. Yeah. And I woke up, he was playing football. Like, man. And then I, I had some people saying his name is James. I was like, James. And then I had one commenter say, that's not the pronunciation. It was James. I said, oh, okay. I'll be saying James from now on. I learned yeah, pronunciation. Yeah. And yeah. And some people were like, well, it's not James? I said, no. I was in, um, I was in <laughs> Texas then. And they're like, okay. no, his name is not James. It's James. How you know? I said because he's not a, he's not from United States. He's not from England. Stop saying his name like he's English. He's not English. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, I can see. I said, yeah. Now you get it. Yeah, yeah. It's James. That's great. 
Yeah, so I, I follow. I follow. I support him. He's he's my boy. And unfortunately, nice. due to the, the politics at Real Madrid, it didn't work out with him. Yeah. But everywhere he's gone, even Bayern Munich that I don't like because I'm, mm. a, I'm a Borussia Dortmund fan, um, I was still rooting for James. And yep. now he's in Everton. Yeah, I don't stop, I don't do English Premier League. But if there's a highlight of Everton, I watch. And all I'm waiting oh, for yeah, is either yeah. his assist or his goal. I take that, you know. And okay. yeah, so, yeah, Colum Colombia has. Yeah, that just that. Um, yeah, I'll say Italian ninety from Italian ninety. Colombia, that's when Colombia came yeah. into my life in football, and I never yeah. even thought about. Oh, they got food too. I have to eat one day, <laughs> right, and right, I've right. tried the food. Uh, there's a place on uh, Fifth Avenue. Um, I can. I think that one has may have closed. There's another one that's opened, but um, the one I first met here probably got closed down uh, with a bunch of places have closed. Gentrification okay. plus the pandemic, so. Yeah, but there's another Colombian place and an Ecuadorian place. They're right next to each other, so the flags look alike because they have yeah. the flags outside. So, yeah, I always mix them up. But, uh, yeah, that was the first time I had Colombian food in, in New York cool. and in my life. So That's cool. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I encourage people to try Colombian food, though. It's There's a whole lot of good stuff. So, um, amongst your, your Colombian cuisine, yep. which, which will you consider your favorite? Ooh. That's a good question. Um, so I, I've been on this um, on this train of thought of me wanting to uh, go back to Colombia ASAP because I, I haven't been in four years. And my parents tend to tend to always try to create this uh, this dish called um, cazuela de marisco. Oh. So it's basically like a, a, a bowl. Uh, it's like a soup uh, or a stew. I would say it, it is on the thicker side. Uh, that has like juca in it, um, uh, platano, uh, or, or plantain. It has um, uh, a is red it fried snapper. or roasted? No, so, so so the red snapper is actually cooked within the stew, uh, like a whole red snapper and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So it's not the same. And the last time I went to Colombia, I went to this place uh, in Cali that serves it. That it's it's just like outdoor space where it's not fancy or anything but it's just as traditional or like as as colombian as you can get and really the cazuela de marisco is just it's out of control because they also fill it in with like a whole bunch of other seafoods mm. that are unrecognizable yeah but it tastes good <laughs> so but the red snapper that's specifically served like uh, with rice and uh tostones and tostones are plantain chips basically but that are 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 are, uh, are flattened and then oh, fried okay. um so, so or, the, the plantain uh, chips is, is it made from ripe plantains or unripe plantains? Uh, ripe. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, so like you end up, um, yeah. So, so you end, they end up flattening it out, but like they they don't cut it into slices. Instead, they basically get the whole plantain and then they cut it kind of like diagonally. Oh, so okay. you end up with like a big with a big sliver. When you squash it, then that's when it's called patacones because they're so big. Mm -hmm. So they, they look like a big foot type of thing. Yeah. Uh, and then you serve that with some with some guiso, and guiso is basically like uh, a mixture of tomato, onion, uh, some seasoning, and water. And it's it's basically just creates this. Um, it's kind of like pico de gallo, but with a bit softer of a consistency, so it's not as chunky. Basically, mm. so you put that on, and then you just combine all the food, and it's it's really really good, and it's healthy too because it's it's yeah. seafood. Oh, it, it does yeah. sound healthy. So. I'm 
Yeah, I wasn't. Yeah, it's you know, yeah. It's already making me salivate right here. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> so the place where you you, you dis- where you eat it at, you said you described it as an open door place. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So it reminds me of some places in Nigeria that kind of the settings. Some of them are called Mama Put. And, yeah. You know, it's like you know local, you know standard fancy place. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But. You just you 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 order. It's not like you, there's no menu. There's no menu when you come. Yeah, there, there is no you menu. Just, you just you know what you're gonna eat. You just tell them. This, they, they tell you these are the, these are this is what we have. Exactly. Okay, yeah. give, give me give me this. All right, and then you just go sit down. There's tables and chairs, and you just sit down. Yeah, mm. it's one of those places that has no flat screens. Oh yeah. There's no AC. Instead, it's a fan. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, and it's like, you know, those white plastic chairs. Yes. Yes. <laughs> one of those places. <laughs> one of those places. Uh, so yeah. and then like r- across the street, there's like this massive marketplace where people can go ahead and buy like vegetables, fruits and, mm-hmm. and meat as well. It's, 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 um, it's, 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 it's really, uh, it kind of just like grounds you, uh, eating there because it, it's really focused on like the taste of the food and everything. Exactly. Versus the, yeah, and that, then that's you, where you get the real taste. You know, yeah. you appreciate the experience just simply by being there, as mm-hmm. opposed to there what's what's actually around you. And you like get you, you get some great conversations going on there too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I feel like uh, at least the times I've I've been there with my family, everybody kind of just like lets their guard down, mm-hmm. um, and you're kind of just like there, and then you can realize you're, you've been there for two hours, and that's you're not true. even having drinks; you're having soda, yeah, or, or water or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> people just start talking to you, and before you know, yeah. it, they're sharing stories, and you're like, "Whoa, I never knew about this, about this yeah. town or this part of the country, and this person." And they just, yeah, I'm like, "Wow, wow, you should come back here again, man. Come back here, you know. I'll, I'll bring this person next time." I'm like, "Oh, wow, okay, yeah, 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 yeah." It's yeah, it's places like that that make some connections that are just priceless, you know. It's yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like those kind of places and. Actually, those are the kind of places I look forward to eating at when I travel yeah. because Same. it's 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 just it's beyond words. It's beyond words. It's just yeah. It's, I have to agree with you yeah. there, especially because like so I took I so I actually took a solo trip in 2019 to Europe and I avoided specific touristy areas because mm. I wanted to get like, the most. Not even the most experienced because it sounds cheesy, but more so like I just wanted to live and eat at places where locals would yeah uh, you know what i mean and and through those experiences you, you, there's just a different level of appreciation for food and you're not necessarily like googling or like stuck on your phone trying to figure mm-hmm. out or plan things out you kind of just like this place looks good um and that's actually how i found a, a colombian place in uh in amsterdam oh wow actually. yeah uh, I have a picture and everything where it's like the Colombian flag and they have like pandeonos outside and buñuelos and I'm just like, what? <laughs> it, was like, <laughs> it was honestly like it, that was more, that was more shocking yeah. to me eating any other good food because it's just like my people were yeah. here. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was cool. Uh, <laughs> I love Amsterdam though. It's, uh, yeah, a lovely city. Yeah, but that, that's a, that's that's something that uh, you know that's. Uh, uh, a guest who I'll be releasing this episode soon. Uh, he does. He, he's he's a he's a traveler. He's a traveling vlogger, and yeah, he cool. just 
jumps out there and goes to places and he strikes conversations with locals and they just take him to some even take him to their houses and offer him meals and that's how he gets wow. to try local foods and local cuisines and I'm and it, it's just a total different experience for him. That's incredible, yeah. Like yeah, it's you because you, 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 you can never get that at any fancy restaurant. I mean there's it's a whole different experience and I'm not there are some people who that's their comfort level and I'm like that's fine. But it takes you have to walk to get into that stage where you can say, okay, I'm I'm at this level where I can go try, you know, go to the streets. But like me, like when I was in Bahrain, that was one thing that it, I I saw I saw this guy on the street making shawamas, and I was like, you know, we have a shawarma place on base. I seen this, um there's a shawarma place where everybody from the military got their shawarmas out in the city. It was like it looked like a McDonald type franchise place, very fancy. And I was like, yeah, but this guy on the street though, his shawarmas, there's something about it. This it smelled good. My nose doesn't work all the time, but my nose yeah. could pick this scent. And the shawarmas look juicy. I don't know what it is in there. But I'm a, I, I need to try it, man. I went up there and he he looked surprised when when I showed up there and he was. Mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, we'll figure it out. I'm like, how? I need two. Yeah, with with the language came out, we figured it out, and you know, I got it, and it was like the cheapest shawamas I ever got, but they were huge. Okay. And I ate one, and I was like, man, I can't even move. And yeah, yeah. I, you know, I even overpaid. The guy chased me down for how many blocks, yelling, boss, 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 boss. And before I realized, somebody was. You know, calling me and uh, look because I, I don't know who calls me boss. Nobody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I wasn't expecting that. And I turn around. This guy been following me for how many blocks? And because he was afraid to touch me, I guess. So that's so good. So I turn around and I see him, and I'm like, wait, what? And he change, change. I was like, oh, how much exactly was it? And he's trying to tell me, but he can't speak English. And I'm like, okay, just yeah, yeah. you know what? Take take some. I give him some change. But like, you know what? It was it's really good. Have some more back. He was so happy, just jumping and like so next good. time. I said next time. Yeah, I'll be there again. And every time I went past that area, I was always stopping there, grabbing shawamas, and that was the best shawamas I, I had while in that so country because it's it's on the street. And I, I I remember one time I was buying shawamas there, and somebody was like, "Are you sure it's healthy? Are you sure it's safe?" I'm like, "You ever seen somebody buy shawamas from there, eat and fall down dead? No. Why am I gonna die? <laughs> I'm not the ones gonna die there, so." Yeah, and if, if you ever stood there eating, someone sees, they're like, hey, how did they just, because you know, most Americans never try to stay there. Everybody, we just walked away, like, you know, mm-hmm. and some would develop that mentality, like, oh, maybe we're arrogant and like that. Yeah, but yeah. You know, we're not all like that. There's some of us who, you know, we, we, we're ready, we like to engage too. And mm-hmm. so when they see that you want to engage, they will engage too. And then, then before yeah. you know it, you start finding out secrets that, you never planned for you. Just thought, oh, I'm gonna come enjoy this city. But they were like, yeah. oh, you really want to enjoy the city? How about you go check out this place and check out that place and check out this? Yeah. Tourists don't know about all this because tourists only just go by the manufactured lanes. Here are other lanes for you to go by. I'm like, oh wow, thank you. Yeah, appreciate that. So yeah, so that's why um, going out of the lane sometimes is important when you go um, when you travel. And yeah, that's why I love that place you described in Colombia. So uh, mm-hmm. what, what other places did you go to on your European trip? Yeah. Uh, so when I went to Europe, so I had the first time I went to Europe was in 2014. I went with my sister. Uh, we went to a Barcelona game. Yeah, that, that, that 
That was pretty incredible. Don't worry, um, we'll edit this part out of the podcast. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, but you no, might, you might be happy. You might, you might be happy it. because they ended up losing the league to Atletico Madrid that day. Oh, that was good. That was good. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Yeah, that was a good day, right? <laughs> <laughs> No, no, I, but, I, I, still, uh, I, still, I still hope to visit New Camp one day. It's still yeah, on the yeah. list. Yeah, yeah no, that, 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 that year was really, really cool because uh, we also went to Madrid. Uh, I actually saw Real Madrid win the Champions uh, They beat the Champions League. I went to the Bernabeu and they had like this whole massive watch party there, um, which was heartbreaking for me because it was like... <laughs> Why would you do like that I, to yourself? <laughs> no, it was because it was because my cousin was uh, is a Madrid fan and she was there with her husband and everything. So uh, yeah, we, we did that whole you, thing. You uh, took one for off. the team. Oh, all right. Yeah, we, basically. That's okay. We we we, yeah, we like um, people who do something for fair play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we went to we went to Rome. Uh, so that was that was a good trip. But then in 2019, when I went, uh, I took a solo trip, and that solo trip was. It wasn't to like it wasn't my eat pray love moment type yeah. of thing like how a lot of people immediately think that for me it was actually a lot deeper than that mm. for me uh 2018 and 2019 were very were very difficult years very difficult years in the sense of just kind of like trying to figure out who I am, how I fit into my career and everything that's going on. I was extremely unhappy where I was um, uh, career-wise, uh, but perhaps more importantly, that was probably also when I had hit my lowest when it came to mental health and everything. So I approached this trip, this solo trip, as an opportunity for me to uh, defeat any of these mental health demons that were basically uh haunting me and whatnot so um my first uh my first stop was in amsterdam uh amsterdam there was it was always on my list because i just always wanted to see the canals yeah for me it was like oh so you did a tour of the city by the canals no i actually walked the entire city oh wow yeah i stayed at a hotel um where, where was it again it was it was on the north side of the city uh by uh, by the ports so I stayed up there on purpose because a not only was it a, a nice hotel, but it also forced me to have to make my ways around the city by walking versus mm -hmm. just like Ubering everywhere. So I walked everywhere. Um, and in my walks, I, I stumbled upon this, um, uh, this, uh, this bar that was open since 1696. 1696. And I, wow. 1696, which when I found out after the fact, I was just like, yo, this bar is older than America. What is going on? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> this is wild. So, wow. and I remember I went inside to, to, to order my, uh, to order my pint and like, it just smelled like cigar and like tobacco, like hardcore, but like nobody was smoking inside. Wow. It was just the wood and the oak and everything yeah. was just burnt and so old that, that's what it was. It was also cash only, which was really, really cool. They didn't even have a register. The dude just like took the money. And I was like, wow. how do you know how much you're charging me? Basically. So I was just like, all right, whatever. But it was, that, that was also, but that, that whole bar or that whole um, experience is really, really cool because it goes back to what we were just talking about, about being open to conversation with people. Um, so like I sat down and 
this this guy was walking towards me or like walking towards the towards the towards the bar and and he was wearing these uh the travis scott jordan ones which had not even like they hadn't even gone come out yet so i was just like oh i like your sneakers and he was like oh cool thanks man and he had like this really like american west coast type of accent i was just like what's going on so he came he went inside the bar he came back out and he actually sat down next to me and he was like so where are you from dude so we started talking and everything and um turns out that he works he, he i was just like this guy sounds like he has a lot of money because he was just like yeah I have this place in brooklyn and i just opened up this place in california blah 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 and i was like what's going on here so i was like what do you do and he was like yeah uh, uh you know stumptown coffee and i was like yeah and he was like i'm the founder and i was like Dwayne. And he was like, nice to meet you. And I was just like, yo, what's going on right here? Wow. So it was really, really cool because he had also just moved to Amsterdam because he was doing some business, uh, some business out in Amsterdam and whatnot. So like we got into this whole conversation about everything and it was, and then from there, like I literally turned around after he left. And then I started talking to these other two dudes from California. One of them worked for like the department of agriculture and this other guy who worked like insur insurance or something like that. But point is that, I just started like talking to everybody just because, because that one interaction mm -hmm. with Dwayne basically forced me into this mode where I was just like, you know what? That's it. Like if I just had a conversation with him, I could basically have a conversation with anyone. anybody. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, I mean, Amsterdam was a really, really cool experience. And then from there uh, I went to Madrid, uh, but that trip to that, that, uh, that trip to Madrid was half pleasure, half work work because um we had uh with my work with complex we had uh, struck a partnership with heineken to um to cover the champions league final okay so so i went to champions league final um a pretty boring final but madrid was was incredible uh <laughs> like the experience itself there was awesome and everything so that was really really cool um and then after madrid i actually went down to sevilla uh sevilla was beautiful i was there for like two and a half days but it was like the most tranquil days mm. i've probably ever experienced um i also walked the entire city as well um it's also small enough to walk but that was really really cool um and then i went back to madrid uh and then from madrid was, was basically where uh where I, I spent the last few days of my trip there but um yeah i mean i i have, I have a few places that i want to go to next in europe uh i had a trip actually in 2020 that was canceled due to the virus yeah um yeah, I was gonna go to Lisbon, uh, London, and um, forget where else. I think Nice. I think we had we had we had planned on going to France just to just to see. France was never really a country that I had never really had on my bucket list of going. But now with with my girlfriend, it's it, it probably is. <laughs> well, since since you had said Lisbon and London, I was expecting another city starting with L. But yeah, no, no. You said uh, the, I was like, dang it, we switched. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe Luxembourg, even though it's not really a city, but... Yeah, uh, yeah Luxembourg city. So, and Luxembourg is really small and tiny, but... Uh, yeah. yeah it's, I've, I've, it's somewhere I need to visit one day, too. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, it was after this European trip that you had a clearer picture of your your, your mental state... Mm. kind of um, you, you, you started working on your mental state and you got the inspiration for starting soccer therapy? 
No. So soccer therapy NYC really started. Sorry, soccer therapy. I keep saying soccer therapy. No, all good. Don't worry. You're good. So that really started in 2020. Uh, To me, the trip in 2019 was a way to prove to myself, more importantly, that like I can manage everything going on. I can manage being alone. I can manage uh, my emotions. I can manage my thoughts and everything. And, you know, the way I I approach mental health or the way I I see mental health is that it's not something you really uh, just you know, do once and then you leave it alone mm-hmm. because like, I did it. No, uh, there it, it's, I think it's always a form of improvement, right? It's very similar to like, if you go to the gym, you don't go to the gym once. Yeah. And then once you realize, Hey, I have a six pack, that's it. That's it it's yeah. a, mm-hmm. You know, uh, you, you, you keep going to whether it be maintain, uh, further strengthen, uh, or whatever, whatever the case is. So I approach my mental health that way where it's like, okay, I know I can now basically deal with being literally alone uh no family or anything like that and then i continue to just work on everything that i learned and i made very drastic decisions uh to improve and change my my quality of life so i definitely obviously started exercising a lot more um the ability to communicate has always been something i think especially for us men uh is always something that's very difficult mm-hmm. uh, for 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 many reasons, uh, uh, but I think it it can be drilled down to cultural cultural norms. Um, I think for anybody who's uh, considers themselves or is part of like a minority community, uh, to speak about your mental health or to speak about your thoughts and feelings is really something that's frowned upon. You know, um, yeah. I think we're not encouraged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not encouraged. We're just taught to like you know put your head down, keep going, uh, you'll figure it out. Um, and that was something that was never really instilled in me though. Like my father never told me that my mom never told me growing up, like you're sad too bad. Um, it was just something that like, for me, I always approached expressing my, my thoughts and my feelings as like, no, I need to be stoic because I need to be a rock for my family because the day that my father isn't there i need to be able to yeah you, you take, know, take over mm-hmm. basically not that i ever thought my father would pass away like when i was 13 yeah but that was just kind of like where my dark thoughts would always take me right to the to this to the to an extreme so in 2020 uh when the pandemic hit and everything uh the first couple of weeks were pretty difficult uh working from home uh i was never really a fan of that uh so whenever I like, I never, I was never really somebody in my throughout my career who said like, Hey, can I work from home today? It was always more like, if I'm working from home, it's because I'm actually sick. Uh, other than that, I'll make the trip. If it's snowing, I'll make the trip because I don't like working from home. So being put into this position where you have to, where you have to work from home. I was just like, Oh my God, like what, what honestly, what do I do with myself? Because I was used to this routine and I was used to this uh, break in between work and home to kind of just be in my thoughts, whether it be listening to music, a podcast, or mm-hmm. just like decompress and kind of like let the cold hit your, your, your face from like a stressful day or something. Yeah. But now we're basically being told stay home. So that created a lot of pressure within me. And like the first couple of weeks were very difficult. Um, and then 
a lot of the, uh, I, I don't, I'm not sure if, if most people remember, but there was like this massive rhetoric online of during this pandemic, if you're not doing something productive, then what are you doing with yourself? Yeah, I remember. No. <laughs> and a lot of people, you know, there was a lot of debate around that. We're like, no, what do you mean? Ba, 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 ba. So then I ended up saying like, you know what, let me, let me do something with myself because otherwise I, I might just continue to build, build pressure this way to, uh, within myself. So I thought, okay, you know what, let me try this like entrepreneurial type route where um, I decided to become like a content creator for YouTube and I would be creating videos and whatnot. And like, at first it was frustrating. It went from frustration because it was just like, I don't know what it is to be in front of a camera a lot and like putting all this work into editing and everything. Then it became cool because it was just like, oh, wow. Like I'm actually in starting to enjoy it. But then it went back into frustration where it's just like, okay, you're not seeing growth. But more importantly is that I'm basically not enjoying what I'm doing. Mm. It became a point, it, it, it came to a point where it was very stressful to just, uh, to just constantly be online and like be commenting or like be trying to engage, trying to engage with people and trying to basically push your content in front of other people and stuff like that. So that they could go ahead and view and subscribe and all that other fun stuff. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I basically had a breaking point where I was just like, I, I can't do this. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, I hit, I hit the breaking point. Um, and then I went back to some notes I had written down because I, uh, earlier in the, during the pandemic, I had this conversation with my girlfriend about um, how there's just not enough places uh, for people to go and play soccer because you always either have to pay to play yeah. or, um, you know, th th things of this nature, right? So we were always like, oh, you know, it'd be cool if we started like a nonprofit of, of some sort. So I remember that whole conversation. But then I thought about my own mental health and the way I approached uh, soccer. So this kind of all ties nicely with what I had told you about my childhood memory with my grandfather about having patience and just like kind of just enjoying your time with the ball. And that, again, in retrospect, I see like, wow, that moment really taught me a lot. Mm -hmm. But as a teenager in, in my young uh, adult years, I always viewed the game as a way for me to kind of express and escape from everything that that's going on. So I wanted to bring that th same theme into this organization, Soccer Therapy NYC, where we use uh, exercise as a vehicle to encourage people to improve their lifestyle, not only physically, but also the mental health benefits it has. Um, but then what we also want to do again is like, have that, how do we communicate and how do we educate people in a way that normalizes like saying like, yeah, if you're a man or if you're anybody and are going through something like, just, just talk about it, talk, but talk about it in a way that helps you. Uh, because a lot of times people, unleash their thoughts and feelings through anger yeah. and i think we've all fallen victim to that whether it be verbally or even while playing sports mm -hmm. um i remember like when we when i was growing up whenever i had a bad day or something like that i'd end up getting very angry while playing soccer and then you end up not playing um but now the last two years i just play with a smile on my face i i play um 
I basically play with the with the with the two things that kind of got me into the game. Uh, seeing Ronaldinho play with a smile and then remembering that time with my grandfather telling me to be patient and to just kind of like enjoy. Mm. Um, and, and and all of those different thoughts and and all of those different uh, principles I've applied to my personal life where, uh, of course, I'm not perfect, but I can kind of hit pause yeah. for a moment, assess and then execute. Um, and that's uh, funny enough, also the way I approach the uh, creation of the logo uh, for soccer therapy NYC. So like you'll see the soccer ball, but then in the middle, there's the pause symbol, which is uh, a, a gentle reminder to just take a second, take a deep breath mm. and then continue on with your day. Beautiful. So uh, some things that you said that I would like to just reiterate. Uh, yeah. Dealing with being alone mm. is a very important step and uh, it's something that most of us struggle with without even realizing it mm. and the moment you're able to come to that conclusion or mm. realization i say realization or conclusion because it's not something that uh it's not a one 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 time fix you know it's right. still an ongoing thing so um it's it's huge it's huge when you come to that realization that uh, it's a huge step going forward that you can you you, you realize that you, you are able to deal with being alone mm. and even if you're in a relationship even you know you're in a family or you have people around you mm. there's still a form of being alone that we all find ourselves in and for me I think that was my because the language I used, I didn't even officially uh, tagged it as being alone. But when you were talking about it, that's when it dawned on me that yes, I, I it was a step that I went through before mm. I started changing, before I started uh, changing for the positive. And it was it was also um, coming to the realization that I dealt with being alone. And that's when I started seeking help and, um, um, you know, getting therapy and all that. But I had to deal with it. And I dealt with it. I mean, everybody deals with it in different ways. But as far as you're dealing with it in a positive manner, that's the most important thing. And um, But it's just important that people realize that it's something that we all have to deal with and it's there's nothing wrong with tackling it you know yep. it's something that you know unfortunately our parents um you know people before our um our, our families and those before them never majority of them were not given the language to deal mm. with mental health and all this stems from colonialism, slavery, and all that combination of all that, the systems that it created. So it, it became something that had to do with weakness. You know, it's, right. it's tagged as weakness, and that's why there's a stigma attached to it. Especially for men, it becomes, you know, like when you tell a, a, a little kid, a boy, don't, don't cry like a girl, why are you crying? Like, even when my daughter cries, so like sometimes I still make mistakes, like, why are you crying? They're even saying mm. something as simple. Why are you crying? You, you have to cry. It's normal. Human beings have to. It's part of. It, it's a biological effort to to 
wash get gems out too you know yeah, we yeah. miss that aspect of something as simple as that it's so even right. the statement why are you crying it's it's not mm -hmm. right you know and yeah. that's why i'm lucky to have the person i have as a partner because she has to check me out on something as simple as that you know because the way i say why are you crying is i can ask was something wrong i can ask why you're crying but in a different way i don't have to come as forceful as i do sometimes but it still shows that i still have the remnants of that issue in me without even realizing that it's but it's still in there so that's why it's an ongoing process but um yeah you know i have someone who unfortunately we are not really on talking terms right now but before we we cut uh, we, we cut off um where well, i cut him off before i cut him off um he reached out to me. We both grew up in Nigeria. You know, he's a little bit younger than I am. But one day he reached out to me and, you know, he used to be, try to be a contrarian and mm. counter me on every point that I made. And then one day he just called me and said, you know what? I agree with a whole lot of things you've been saying. Now I see the light. And he just called his dad one day and said, I asked, he asked his dad, why have you never said you love me? You never said you love me. It's just, it's, Growing up, I've never seen you say you love any of us. Mm. Why? And he said his dad started crying. Because his dad said it, it never occurred to him that that was a language that he should have used on his children. That, you know, it's that he, it was this macho culture. I have to, you have to be tough. I have to teach my boys right. to be tough. And he didn't understand the damage that he was doing. And right. now his son starts challenging somebody who's saying, hey, we, uh, I don't think we, we've been taught the right way. A lot of things that they claim is African. It's not. It's not. Right. We need to challenge where that message came from. And he'll always come after me. And then one day he started putting two and two together and said, no, this is wrong. So right. when he asked his dad and the dad actually sat down and thought about it, the dad started crying. Wow. And I, I was like, well, I'm glad that you had this conversation with your dad. I need something yeah. you should keep having because a whole lot of us try to have this conversation with our parents and they're like, why are you attacking me? I'm like, it's not an attack, but we need to have a conversation because there's no way this stigma can be removed if we are not having this conversation. If we can't come to an honest conversation, then there's no way about it because if we can't talk about this, how are we even going to talk about those who went through sexual assault, emotional yeah. abuse? There's a whole lot of other categories that's yeah. out there. And <laughs> it just builds up and builds up, you know? So it's great that, you know, that's why on this platform, this podcast, mental health is a big thing. Mm -hmm. And I always talk about it. I'm still in therapy. You know, I, I stopped for some time because I kind of did that thing of, hey, I, I'm good now. Everybody's praising me. Everybody's saying, wow, you're different. What happened, man? I said, hey, I went to therapy. They're like, wow, it worked? I said, yeah. And then I'm like, well, everybody's saying I'm good. I don't need to, well, I don't yeah. think I need to go anymore. And then, I started noticing pre-pandemic that there were certain habits, there were certain little traits, little by little, it started popping out. And you notice it, and I'll put it in check. But at night, you know, you're by yourself, you're like, yeah, was that me? Was that what I really wanted to say? Did it come out right? This is how I used to sound when I was depressed. This is how I used to sound when I'm like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't wait too long. I should get back in therapy. And right. Uh, that's why I took that step of going back in therapy. And um, I still have, while I'm officially in therapy meeting with the therapist, I still have other things that are therapeutic for me, like playing um, soccer, um, getting involved in um, 
volunteering well. I can't do that. Uh, I used to be involved in community garden. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, spending time with my daughter, every time my daughter is therapeutic because I, I see yeah. so much stuff, a two-year-old can teach me and I'm like, fine. Of you know, it's, uh, it's amazing what they know. But yeah. it, it's there's so many things that can be used now to break the cycle because that's all we are about now is to break the cycle. And as you said earlier at the beginning of the episode, normalizing the conversation. If we don't do all this, it, it there's there's no. It's all about normalizing the conversation, and mm-hmm. that's the main goal. And it's, I'm not perfect. Nobody will be perfect, but I'm yeah. okay with not being perfect. I'm. It doesn't mean I'm not striving to be better. But I'm okay with not being perfect. And yeah. you know, before I would have been judging myself, beating myself down. I'm terrible now. No, no. So I can go play soccer. I know I'm not the best guy. I'm not in the top ten. And yeah. if you pass the ball to me ten times, I might have a bad control. I might not do I mean my brain, this is what I want to do, and it might not come out right. But I'm yeah. not gonna kill myself. I'm not gonna beat myself and I'll, I'll laugh. Yeah, no. If I do the wrong thing, I just laugh about it. Exactly. If I mistakenly tackle someone in the wrong manner. I immediately I'm, apologize. I'm the, yeah, I'm the first to stretch out. And <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, you okay? I check on you. If I had a chance to go score and someone slipped and fell who was coming, you know, from the defending team, mm-hmm. I, I don't, it's not the goal. It's not important, man. I'll go check on you, yeah. you know? And it's, but it's about having fun because if, I'm, if, I'm if you're not having fun and I'm not, I'm not, why should I be the only person having fun here? Everybody should have fun. Right. We need that good um, environment going on. And yeah. so all these things is part of the change. But if I had exactly. not been able to deal with being alone, I wouldn't be in this position where I am today, where yeah. I am now able to talk about it publicly because there are many people who look at me and say, wow, you, you don't, 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 don't say it. A friend came mm-hmm. to an episode I recorded on somebody else, on another person's podcast, and he listened to what I said, and he was like, I wouldn't have said all that publicly. Because mm. <laughs> I talked about mental health and all that. He said... You know, I wouldn't have said that. He's also of Nigerian descent. He said, I, would, I wouldn't have said that, you know. Because nope. it's all about presenting that perfect picture, that perfect image. Right. And I'm like, but we have faults. And yeah. How, how do we working. fix it? You know, we can't fix yeah. it if we don't admit it. So there's something that needs to be fixed. But if we don't normalize the conversation, how do we fix it? We're exactly. just going to keep pretending that everything is perfect and then... Disaster happens. Everybody's like, oh, my God, I'm surprised. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But we, we knew there was a problem, right? Right, exactly. We just never addressed it. Yeah. So we don't have to wait until disaster happens. So that's that's why I'm, 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 uh, I really love what you're doing. Uh, as soon as I heard about um, what you, you were doing, I was like, yeah, there's no way I, I, I'll miss out on getting you on the podcast. And uh, um uh, what's our good friend's name again? I don't know why just his name disappeared from my my head. Um, our good friend who, who introduced you to me. Uh, oh, Benny. Benny, yeah. I was. Yes. I, I, his picture just popped up in my head. I was thinking of someone else from uh, yeah, yeah. someone from his country of uh, origin. Um, yeah. Yeah, Benny, and I'm still waiting for Benny to come on the podcast. By the way, so I'm, yeah. I'm calling him out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'll so send them, I'll, I'll send them an email too. Yeah, yeah. So uh, when Benny told me about you, I was like, "Oh, most definitely, most definitely. You, 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 you have to be a guest here. Uh, we appreciate need more people like you, you know. And we, we, yeah, we encourage you, and we appreciate the work you're doing, you know. Appreciate it. Yeah. So um, I, I know the, the pandemic has kind of slowed down your work, but um, if 
you know, anyone wants to, uh, like, like if someone is interested in soccer therapy, how, how do they um, get started or how do they get in touch with you? Yeah, for sure. So uh, we have a website, uh, it's soccertherapynyc.org. There you can, uh, you can visit our site and we'll, we'll, we really map out what our mission is, uh, who we are, uh, why we're doing what we're doing. Um, there, uh, the number one way to support us is, uh, is through donations because uh, any donations uh, are used specifically to treat and sponsor uh, people who can't afford mental health. Um, so on average, uh, mental health therapy can cost anywhere between $80 a session to $200 a session. And uh, with that knowledge, we've built a, uh, actually a, a, a network of, uh, of therapists who, uh, based here in New York City in the New Jersey area, as well as in Los Angeles, who are uh, seeing patients uh, who, that we're sponsoring. So um, any donations and anything that's purchased on the website uh, specifically, we, you know, we have uh, our official soccer jerseys that uh, were in partnership with Adidas. So if you're a big Adidas uh, three-stripe a fan, then this is part of the, the best jersey for you. Um, but 100% of the proceeds go towards this crucial uh, crucial mission, which is to sponsor people who can't afford it, uh, who are unemployed, but they need that they need that mental support from a therapist. So you can visit us at, uh, on our website. You can also follow us on Instagram uh, at uh, at Soccer Therapy NYC. So there we put a lot of content that is resourceful and that's really our, our main focus there so that we can educate people uh, on like, for example, like how to manage anxiety, uh, how to cope with the stigmas that exist within our communities uh, and things of that nature. So uh, there, it, it, there's an abundance of content that we'll continue to develop, uh, especially this year as, as it'll be our full calendar year uh, uh, in operations. So we'll definitely be publishing a lot more content there, as well as building out different products uh, like email marketing uh, so that we can, you know, get these 30-minute uh, conversations that we have with mental health professionals and advocates to um, directly into your inbox. So we basically break it down in a way that's easy for you to learn and whatnot. But um, yeah, those are really like the, the main two ways. Follow us on uh, on Instagram and, and visit our website. All righty. And are there... Any other um, organiz are there any other, uh, organizations that you're in partnership with? So there's no uh, official uh, partnerships besides the other besides the therapists that we're that we're working with um, the partnership with Adidas, uh, but we are in talks with, uh, for example, like Soccer Roof uh, out in Brooklyn to yeah, that's where we used to play our our league. Yeah, yeah, to so to begin hosting events uh, once. Uh, you know, people are much more comfortable in being together, but we definitely want to have an event, our first event there to, um, to really get people into a safe zone so we could all play soccer, uh, enjoy each other, but then also have a, have a guest therapist to kind of be there to address any immediate questions and to kind of just get everybody into like a Zen space. Um, so I would say uh, soccer roof is probably uh, number one right now. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah, they're good people there. So people, they are, yes. Are people I can vouch for. All righty. So, yeah, I can't thank you enough. But uh, before I officially wrap this episode, yep. there's one question I did not dive into. And it also plays into uh, mental health, uh, depending sure. on how people want to use it. But and in general, it's just a fun question. So... You know, being that you're of Colombian 
uh, heritage. Um, we've mentioned some Colombian footballers. They all have one thing in common. They all can groove. They got the dance steps in line. So yep. you got to tell me, when it comes to music, where does your heart belong to? Oh, man, at the end of the day, that's a tough one. That's a good one. That's a, that's a really good one. Um, <laughs> I love, so I'm from Cali, um, uh, you know, the, the capital of the world yep. for South Um I love listening to it. I love dancing to it and everything. But weirdly enough, for some reason, uh, house music that kind of gets you moving in the same way and that uses the same instruments mm. gets me going. That's fascinating. Yeah. So like for some examples could be like Chusen Ceballos, um, Oscar G from Miami, uh, Virgil actually also has some pretty good, uh, some good go-to uh, DJ sets, but that music that kind of just gets you going like side to side, mm -hmm. that's, that's my go-to music when it comes to like a long drive or if I'm like, I need to focus on some work. Yeah, that's what I go to. Yeah, all right, that's that good taste right there. Yeah, I knew you wouldn't fail on that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> appreciate it. All righty, so yeah, you, it's been fun having you here. Um, you've already plugged yourself in in a way. Uh, so just the final thing to leave the audience with. Um, what you like to, you know, could give the audience a quote, could be a line from a you know a book you've read or from one of your travels something someone gave you a word of advice or yeah just something you like to wrap up the episode by leaving the audience with yeah one quote that i low-key live by and i heard it back in 2015 during one of my uh i read it i read it uh i think it was abraham lincoln who said this but it was uh whatever you are be a good one mm. and that quote really really resonated with me because it's not specific to anything, but it ties in nicely with the way I tend to live my own life. And also at the end of the day, what the what my organization's uh, mission is, which is, for example, uh, we're a lot of things, but at the end of the day, we're human. And then, but just be a good human, just be yeah. a good person, uh, whether it be through love, through work, uh, through your profession, whatever, whatever the case is, just, just be a good one. All righty. That's, that's, can't go wrong with that, man. Can't go yeah. wrong with that because you're a good one. You normalize the conversation most definitely. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'll throw, throw that in there. <laughs> All right. So, can't thank you enough. Appreciate you for coming on the podcast, Kevin. And uh, yeah, I look forward to having more collab with you down the line. And uh, yeah. So um, shout out to everyone listening. Don't forget to join us for more episodes. And yeah, keep the love coming in. And as Kevin said, whatever you are, be a good one. And thank you for the privilege of your company. Thank you, Rafael. Thank yeah. you for having us. Uh, pleasure. Thanks for listening to White Label American. If you enjoyed the show, we'll appreciate if you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. If you have any questions, comments, or have someone who will be a good guest on the show, or you want to be on the show, 
send us a message at whitelabelamerican at gmail.com. And make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at White Label American. Thank you for your support.